All right, welcome to the fourth halacha class on Shabbos in the kitchen. And this week we will ha- have an overview from the malacha of schita, of squeezing, and then from the malacha of toichen, which includes grinding, chopping, crushing, and grating. Schita relative to all of the malachas that we spoke about till now, is the simplest. It's okay, we just started. Schita means squeezing, and we are referring to both squeezing liquid out of food, as well as squeezing liquid out of anything into which the liquid became absorbed. So let us first start, since we are focusing primarily Shabbos in the kitchen, on squeezing juice out of fruits, or out of foods. So in halacha, here again, we're going to categorize schita into three categories. You have squeezing that is prohibited by Torah law. You have squeezing that's prohibited by rabbinic law. Then you have squeezing that's permissible. We're speaking here about foods. Schita, that's asr, minatayra, by foods, is only squeezing grapes and olives. Being that the liquids from grapes and or from olives, those juices are considered even more important than the fruit themselves. Alpi <coughs> halacha. This is where one may not do so by Torah law. By Torah law, squeezing juices out of any other fruit or vegetable or food will be permitted. The rabbis prohibited squeezing fruits out of tusim vidimainim, which means out of berries or pomegranates. What's unique about those two, which are used as an example for many others, those are fruits from which many people use for their juices. People eat pomegranates, people squeeze pomegranates. Most halachic authorities say that nowadays, at least in Los Angeles, that everything is going into the uh, juicer, mamish, even your chair goes into the juicer, so everything will be awesome. But if you're living in a society in which certain items are never squeezed, then you are allowed to squeeze it with your hand, no prohibition, even midrabana. But a lemon, a grapefruit, even an apple, which you have apple juice, an orange, fruits or vegetables, a tomato, you know, tomato juice that people sometimes use for their juices, the isur of taking its juices out of it is midrabana. Clear? Now, as we have been learning previously, when it comes to baidr, not all the rules should be applied from one to the other. Actually, the premise should be that every single malacha has its own set of rules, but we become familiarized, and sometimes we do share certain rules. So we spoke last week about selecting, about baidr, and using a utensil made for baidr is prohibited. So anything that is made for squeezing will always be prohibited if you are squeezing an item that may not be squeezed, whether it is biblically or whether it is rabbinically. So a utensil that squeezes may not be used. Hand, using your hand to squeeze, you may not do so. And even if you're squeezing, let's say, a lemon into juice into a cup right before you have a meal, right before the meal biyad by bited was okay, by squeezing, it will not be okay. Not only may you not squeeze it with your hand, but let's say you're having a grapefruit 
and you're using a spoon, and you're using the spoon to press against the grapefruit purposefully to create some juice that you're going to then drink out like a soup that may never be done. But if you're eating a fruit, and as you eat any fruit, you bite into it, so juice comes out, you can have that juice. Because that's called kiderach achilose. You're eating it the way you eat it. God never said you can't eat. But if you're making any effort by hand or with a utensil, even only a spoon, even with a utensil that wasn't made to squeeze. But if you are squeezing, then you are either violating a biblical law, if you're doing that to a grape or to an olive, or you are violating a rabbinic law if you're squeezing a fruit or a vegetable or any food item that sometimes is used for its juices. When, when is one allowed to squeeze? When you are squeezing juices, not out of the olive or grapes, never there, but out of all the other items, like a lemon, if you are squeezing it directly into food, Halacha says, if I'm taking a lemon, that will be a, a very practical example, and I'm squeezing it into a piece of fish. Since the juice is coming from food, and it's becoming right away part of food, so we don't view it that you took liquid out of the food. We view it as if you cut a slice of the lemon and you put it on top of the fish, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can add a food to a food. People do that the whole time. You can put peanut butter on a bread on Shabbos. So you can put a lemon on fish. Some halachic authorities therefore hold that if you, for example, would like to add lemon in your tea, tea is not a solid. So they say, if you're putting the poison sugar in it, so you can squeeze the lemon into the sugar. Make sense? Because sugar is considered salt. salt. Now, if you remember a couple of classes ago that we had over here, now we're, going to put, now we're going to put things together. We said that why is it that one may not put sugar or coffee in a clay shaney? I, clay shaney, doesn't cook bishel achar bishel by yavesh. Which it doesn't. The answer is, is because since the sugar is made to go into the tea, people don't eat sugar. Children, animals eat sugar. <laughs> Healthy, normal people, you don't eat sugar. You put, the, you put it into, and it's meant to be dissolved in a liquid. So lechumno, we view the sugar as if it is a liquid. We spoke about that regarding cooking. And by cooking, we, the Alter Rebbe's machmer, then he says that there is cooking after cooking by a liquid if it's cold, which is why we can't put sugar in a clay sheni. Same chumra will be over here, that we in Chabad, we do not allow one to squeeze the lemon into the sugar that you're planning later to put into your tea because we already view the sugar as a liquid. It's Kabbalah, it's consistent. And you may not squeeze a lemon into liquid just like you may not squeeze it into a cup. Are we good? What's that called? The moist thing? Lach, lach, lach. Lach, very good. Now, where will there be a difference? Why are we saying that olives and grapes is asur minatoira? Here, I would say, I would argue, almost all fruits and vegetables, almost all of them, are put into a juicer. They're made into juice. So you may not squeeze them. So who cares if it's asur by toira law or by rabbinic law? Bottom line is, is that we keep toira and rabbinic law. I'll give you one of the many examples. 
What were to happen if you have a bowl of grapes and naturally liquid oozed out of it and it's in the bottom of the bowl? You have another bowl of, I don't know, grapefruit that is cut or lemons and naturally there is liquid on the bottom of the bowl. So if it wasn't purposefully squeezed, it's just there, here's the difference. By only grapes and olives, since one may not squeeze them by title law, Chachamim, when they made a fence, they make a fence around a title law. The rabbis don't make fences around another rabbinic law. It's called a double rabbinic law. There might be exceptions, but that's the rule. So one may not have the juice of a grape, nor the juice of an olive, even though it oozed out by itself, because Shema Yishchait, if you'll, if you'll be allowed to have it, then maybe you will squeeze it yourself. But if you have any other fruit juice that you did not purposefully squeeze, it oozed out by its own, and it's here, even though it didn't ooze out into food, it oozed out in the bottom of a, of, a, of a holder, of a utensil, of a bowl, you may have it on Shabbos. Okay, squeezing isn't only food-related. Very practically, squeezing is something that we may not do, meaning that if water got absorbed into any item, I'm not allowed to squeeze it out on Shabbos. That would mean, practically, if there's a spill on the table, both when it comes to you cleaning up, and then later, the manner in which you hold the napkin, the paper towel, has, you have to be mindful not to violate the isur of squeezing. So if there's a very small amount of liquid and you have a large towel, there's nothing to worry about. No, it's putting a towel over liquid is permitted. People gently tapping it is what people do. Because when you gently tap it, you're just allowing for the, for the towel to be in full contact with the liquid and by nature the liquid goes into the towel. If you're gonna sp- squeeze it and press it down, just like that is allowing the liquid to go into the papal towel, at the same time, when you're squeezing it, you might also be extracting the liquid that already got absorbed in the towel, and that's prohibited. Likewise, if you have a towel that's very wet, something huge spilled on the floor, and you took out two or three towels and you put it there, and now that is absorbed, it absorbed liquid. When you pick it up, just be practical. I know that God did not give the title to angels, but be mindful. If you're going to grab it and pick it up, inadvertently, you're going to squeeze the water out of the towel. If you're going to pick it up either from a dry corner or even from the wet corner, but you're going to pick it up gently, as gentle as you could be from the edge, then you won't come to squeeze. This is one of the reasons why we hesitate showering on Shabbos. Going into a hat bath on Shabbos is asr. Showering, we spoke, I think it was two weeks ago or last week, two weeks ago and three weeks ago, that the main issue of showering, the biggest issue is that you're going to be cooking because every time water comes out of the, the hot vat, automatically cold water replaces it and that, uh, what do you call that big um, heater, that heater is claydition because the water cooks in it and you're, and you're putting water in a claydition. You're, you're, you're cooking on Shabbos. Aside of that, Again, bathing has other issues. The Chachamim didn't allow us to bathe in a hot bathtub because we might make hot water. But they never made that gazeta on showering. People hesitate to shower because they don't want to squeeze. Now, I know that when a woman has to go to the mikvah, Hasidim go to the mikvah on Shabbos, we have to be mindful that if someone went underwater, 
that they should be careful, especially when it comes to the hair. I'm not even talking about using a little towel and the towel will become fully absorbed with water and then how do you handle the towel? But squeezing water out of hair is also called schita. So if one's hair is wet and you have to dry it, so if you remember, so people who have very short hair have an easier time. People with longer hair are allowed to put the towel over there and to pat it. But again, you're patting it and you're not squeezing or properly drying your hair. Yes. Two yes. A bald person can shower no problem? There are many issues with showering. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you can't, I'm saying there's an issue. In other words, there's an, you have to be mindful of not, not, um, not, not warming up water. There's an issue of we're not allowed to take a solid and break it down into a liquid, which means we can never use solid soap. Um, then there's a schita worry. All right, which is why people regularly don't do it. But on the other hand, I know I'm being recorded, but let me go to Hong Kong, an exceptional place. It's extremely humid, extremely unbearably humid. It can be 100 degrees and humid. And when people walk home from Shul from Shabbos, mamish, all of them, I'm talking about people, you know, we wear an undershirt and a taloskotin and a shirt and a kapata. The outer kapata is wet. It's not, it's not Shabbos. So we, were, we, we used to take a quick... Never bath, cool shower. But you have to be mindful of, again, making sure that you're only using cold water, making sure that you're not taking a bath, period, you're not soaking your water. Taking a shower is considered, you're washing your hands and your feet and your face. You're not considered fully underwater. And v'choli. So washing a person's face on Shabbos and a beard... Same thing, very good. In other words, you have to be mindful. I was not gifted by God the long beard. I'm the rabbi. I want the long beard. God, that's God's wisdom. The guys who don't want beards have these longest beards. I need a long white beard. It's good for my job. So, so it's, I don't know. But I can only imagine that if you have a real Hasidic beard, so I don't know, when you wash your face, do you wash your beard? I don't know. Someone told my uncle that when you go to sleep, do you put the beard over the blanket or under the blanket? And he says, from then it took him a week to fall asleep. And now that he was thinking about it, he couldn't fall asleep. Where does the beard go? I don't know how it works, Josh. I have a little Zion's beard, they call it. The Zion's family, aside of very few exceptions, yeah, Abba, Abba is lucky. Or, or not, depends how you look at it. I'm saying the rest of us. Okay, moving on. Next, one more thing also for the, for the record, that baby wipes. That's a good example. Baruch Hashem, large, young community, many babies. Any baby wipe. And if you were to squeeze it, liquid were to come out, that baby wipe may not be used. Because when you're using it as a wipe, you're squeezing it. So, either buy a baby wipe in a Haredi store, 19 years old by now, if, <laughs> if they're dry, the drier than, than the napkins. I'm just kidding, that was a joke. We, we love each other. But you have to be careful. I mean, there's different types, but uh, that's the challenge. If you may not use wipes, listen, a baby has to be cleaned. So you can clean a baby with water. You can clean a baby with warm water. Obviously, not water that was warmed on Shabbos, but just like you, we have a clay shlishi coffee, it's warm water, basically, the warm tea. You can use that tea and clean the baby. With the honey, with the lemon, whatever, whatever works. Okay, I'm just kidding. In other words, I'm just to say that, that wipes, people should, I know many people use wipes, 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 is a schitesh. Okay. Final halacha that we're going to share in this series is the halacha of toichin. 
Toichen means grinding, chopping, crushing, grating in the kitchen. Um, very complex. A lot of debates, a lot of areas in which machlekes, 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 machlekes. So here, I'm going to again do my best to give you a general overview. And here it is complex. I'm going to give you a couple of overviews. When it comes to actual cases, it's better to have every case discussed with an of, or God bless you, go dive into the books and learn this properly and, and do your best to come to the right conclusion and then consult a rabbi. And the more people thinking about a single case, the better the conclusion will get. First of all, there is a big three-way argument whether grinding is relevant to food. Rabbeinu Hananel, very important authority, says that there is no issue of grinding by food altogether, which is a very lenient approach. Which according to him, that would mean that you can use a mortar in your kitchen and grind a pepper, which we, no one accepts that in halacha. I'm just, me, I'm going back a little bit. You have the opinion of the Rambam that says that the only time it's prohibited by title law to grind, when I say grind, again, I mean all of the above mentioned, grinding, chopping, crushing. It's only if you are grinding something to put into cooked food. But if you're not putting it into cooked food, then you may do it by title law, according to the Rambam. How do we paskin? We paskin, like most of the Rishonim, that one, minat may never grind. As a, as a premise, we're beginning from there. I mentioned the other opinions is because when it comes to certain practical questions, sometimes you have to put many different sides to be lenient, to be able to paskin that we're lenient. And it's good to just to be mindful that some people, since they hold that to begin with, food, it's not related to food. So you already have something to lean on when you have many other retatum that need to be there to be matter. Okay. Now, we're going to divide all food items into three categories. And one of them will be divided into another two categories. That's where it gets complicated. Food items that grow from the ground. Like we mentioned, peppers. Or you have certain vegetables that you want to grind up. Things that grow from the ground. They were never ground before. That's category number one. On the other side of the spectrum will be items that don't grow at all. Meat, eggs, fish, cheese. There we will be the most lenient. And then you have an in-between group, which are food items that grow from the ground. They grew from the ground. They were already ground up. And now they are back into one piece. And that in itself has two categories. Sorry, people. The first category, the more leaning in category will be bread and the like. Bread is a good example because bread comes from grain. Grain was fully toichened. It was fully ground up. It was made into flour. But then you went ahead and you mixed it with water and you made a dough and now you have a solid. True that the solid bread is nothing like the hard kernel. So it didn't fully go back to be hard, but it's, it's one piece. So can you break bread into crumbs? And then the other category of items that grew from the ground, they were already ground, and now they're back into a salad, would be candy, chocolate, again, just as examples, right? Candy came from the ground, if it came from the ground. Some of the sugar used to come from the ground and then it was ground up. And then you cooked it together and now you have one block. It's one solid rock 
or a chocolate. Chocolate, coffee, beans, cocoa, cocoa beans, whatever it's called. It was mamish ground, but now you have again a solid. And since it's back, a solid will be a little bit more machmer. Now, like this. The rule that we learned regarding boider, that boider, that was simple, three rules, that was amachaya. You can never use a utensil. Not using a utensil, you have to take the good out of the bad. And the third rule was, even then, right before you eat it. The right before you're eating is used when it comes to grinding only when you're using a knife. One may never use a utensil that's exclusively made to grind. That is out of the question. But if you want to take a knife and you want to chop up whatever it is that you're chopping up, let's leave for sure chocolate, even something that grows from the ground that was never, that was never cut before, that we are lenient that if you're doing it right before a meal and you're not cutting it into very, very small pieces, I know I hate those I words, but let's just get used to the words. So then you are allowed to do it right before the meal. So you're not using a keli that was made. You're not putting your, your, your tomato in something that right away minces it up. You're not doing that. You're using a knife. A knife wasn't made to grind, but you can use a knife to cut things up. As long as you're not making it very, very small, as long as you are doing it right before the meal, one is allowed to do it. That's what most people remember from learning all these halachas. Can you grind? Yeah, right before the meal with a knife. Emes. However, if you are not grinding something that grows from the ground, we are even more lenient. Then you are allowed to cut it up as long as you will be eating it on Shabbos. Not like by Bayer last week, that if it's not right before the meal, you may never, remember we spoke, you may never peel an egg unless it's during a meal or right before the meal, but I can't prepare my eggs Friday night for Shabbos day meal. I can't even wake up Shabbos morning early and prepare Dubayer for the, when I come back from school, from shul. I have to do it right before the meal. When it comes to grinding, if you're grinding something, that never grew from the ground. Or let's speak about bread. You want to break it into little pieces, right? Even though it grew from the ground, but it was already ground up before Shabbos. As long as I am not using a utensil made for grinding, I'm doing it with my hands or with a knife, then I can do it even if I'm not doing it right before the meal. But if I'm cutting up something that grew from the ground and it was never ground before, then... I can't use a utensil made for grinding. I could use a knife. But even though I'm using a knife, I need to do it right before the meal. Clear? Yeah. Josh is very excited. Mm -hmm. Good? If you make salad on chocolate, yeah, he doesn't have food, so he's okay. Okay, awesome.